So today is week three in our sermon series on Jesus and the Lorax. And so our sermon topic for today is unless. Unless is a word that appears at the very beginning of Dr. Seuss's book, The Lorax. Our young boy, as he's making his way into the land of the Lorax, sees this monument with the word unless. He sees this dark and this very desperate land with this strange monument, with a strange message, unless. So how does this word of unless hit when we think about our own lives? I'd venture to say when we think about our own lives, if we use the word unless, we think about it as a negative term. When our protagonist in the Lorax sees this word, he sees it surrounded by dead trees in a dark and gray land with a strange monument saying, unless. That unless sure hits hard. But for us, we may think about unless in the terms of our health. There's always a lot of health threats out there. Heart disease, cancer, mental health struggles, unless... Our doctors can do something about it. And what about unless in the terms of our future? So we're recognizing our graduates today, but that time of celebration, as you may remember, I remember, it comes with a lot of uncertainty. Our futures, our colleges, our careers, they're all so uncertain unless we can make a plan that makes us happy and stick to it. And hitting home with this story of the Lorax, what about our environment? We see the news reports about melting ice caps. We deal with red tide here in Florida. We hear about global warming. Is all this inevitable? Or is it only inevitable unless we can figure out something to do about it? Jesus had his own time in ministry where he addressed an unless as well. We see this in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 23, this long tirade that takes up the entire chapter of Jesus against the scribes and the Pharisees. This speech, I would say, puts to shame everything that the Lorax lectures on in our story that this sermon series is based on. Jesus, again, takes this entire chapter building up this argument against the priests, the scribes, and the Pharisees. He warns about how their religious piety at the expense of compassion will get them nowhere. He warns of how they will kill Jesus instead of following Jesus, missing the point of his ministry and all his teachings entirely. But here's the thing, this tirade, who do you think Jesus is actually speaking to? Logic would say, well, he has to be speaking to the people he's railing against, right? He has to be speaking to the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, right? No. In the scripture passage, Jesus is not talking to them at all. The interesting thing is that Jesus is talking to his own disciples and others who are trying to follow him. He's talking to the regular old folks who are trying to follow Jesus already. And they are the ones, interestingly enough, who are getting the brunt of this huge tirade. 
But let's see what exact, what exact scriptures we're talking about here. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39 is what I'll be reading out of the Common English Bible Version. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you. How often I wanted you to gather your people together just as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you didn't want that. Look, your house is left to you deserted. I tell you, you won't see me until you say, Blessings on the one who comes in the Lord's name. We see that this isn't a tirade just for the priests and the scribes and the Pharisees. No, it's a tirade for all of Jerusalem. It's also for all those people who are trying to follow Jesus and who will desert him during Holy Week. They needed to realize that their actions had consequences too. That they were capable of walking away from Jesus as well. That they could find themselves walking away from Christ as well unless they did something about it. And even more, this whole tirade, this whole warning, it's not just for them. It's for us. It's for you and believe me, it's for me. Jesus giving this to the crowd of his own followers reminds us that this is a word for us as well, that we can walk away. We can harm our neighbor. We can harm God's creation that surrounds us. We can even harm ourselves. But what Jesus also offers us in this passage is such a helpful perspective on unless. Look closely again. Instead of the word unless, Jesus says until. I tell you, you won't see me until you say, blessing on the one who comes in the Lord's name. I like until. Until seems more like a positive word. To me, until evokes these feelings of inevitability. We will eventually, inevitably come back to God. We will eventually, inevitably make things right. We will eventually, inevitably correct our wrongs. A commentary that I read this week made an interesting comparison. They said that this whole speech evokes what they call the sin-exile-return pattern. Because think about it, this is a pattern that happens over and over again, sin and exile and return throughout the Bible. The Israelite people find themselves freed from slavery in Egypt, and what do they do? They turn from God and worship a golden calf. So they're exiled to 40 years in the wilderness until they are returned to God and the promised land. And then things are going pretty good there But they tend to do what is right in their own eyes, as the book of Judges say. And so the nation goes through chaos until they return to God in 1st and 2nd Samuel. And this pattern repeats itself over and over and over again all throughout Scripture. 
And so that inevitability, that until, it reminds us that when we stray, God can always lead us back. Provenient grace is always working in our lives to draw us back to God, even before we understand and recognize who God is. Our unless is not a negative word, it's an until. It's an inevitability. God is working in our lives until we listen, until we respond, until we make it right. And so when we look at the story of the Lorax, it reminds us that even when all seems lost, there is still an unless. There is still a way forward. There is something that we can do about it. We can be the unless that cares a whole awful lot. We can be the reason why it does, in fact, get better. I love that in the movie, this Lorax movie shows this unrelenting commitment to unless. Ted shows this unrelenting optimism that he can be someone that cares a whole awful lot and that he can, in fact, make it better. Let's watch this clip together to show you what I am talking about. So this is really all your fault. You destroyed everything. Yes. And each day since the Lorax left, I've sat here regretting everything I've done. Staring at that word. Unless. And wondering what it meant. But now I'm thinking. Well, maybe you're the reason the Lorax left that word there. Me? Why would he leave that for me? Because unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. The last trouble I you need to plant it, Ted. Yeah, but nobody cares about trees anymore. Then make them care. Plant the seed in the middle of town where everyone can see. Change the way things are. I know it may seem small and insignificant, but it's not about what it is. It's about what it can become. That's not just a seed. Any more than you're just a boy. So what I love about this clip is that we see very clearly that negative side of unless. We see the destruction. We see the regret of what has been done. But even against that dark landscape, we also see the hope of unless. We see that the Onesler is realizing that that unless was there, not because it was a negative thing to stare him in the face, to make him feel guilty forever. That unless was a sign of hope. It was a call to action. It was a reminder of the inevitability of redemption. 
It's a reminder of how close that redemption always is for us. It is always right there, always within our reach. Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, it's not going to get better. It's not. So do you care? Do you care a whole lot? Are you willing to partner with Christ just as Ted and the ones that are once partnered together to make things better? Are you willing to reach out to that inevitable promise of redemption right there, right in front of your face, always within your reach? The grace of Christ is always within our reach, seeking to help us make things better. The promise of hope is always there, but we have a job to do too. We must care a whole awful lot. We are not permanently beholden to our hurts and hang-ups. Our sin may exile us, but the hope of return is always there. Our environment may be hurting, but the hope of return, a hope of better caring for our creation is always there. We may have uncertainties about our health and uncertainties about our future, but we do not have to go it alone. The hope of Christ's presence and guidance is always there. Unless someone like you cares a whole lot, it's not going to get better. It's not. So that is the challenge and the call for you and for me today. Whether it's our future, whether it's our environment, whether it's our own hurts and hang-ups, whether it's just the difference we want to make in this world, let's care. Let's care a whole awful lot. And then with God's help, it will get better. Let's close in prayer together. Gracious God, we thank you for the hope and unless showed to us in your scriptures and in the story of the Lorax. We thank you for that inevitability of unless that Christ proclaimed. May we learn to live into this unless as we learn to care a whole awful lot so that we might be better reflectors of your love in this world. Amen. And so as we prepare to go from this place, hear the benediction. May we remember that we are a people who are called. We can accept that call to care a whole awful lot and make the world a better place with God's help. So may we know that call and may we respond to that call together. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.